0: chorus again. He is exalted. Let's sing it again.
1: Take hands and fellowship one with another. Welcome our visitors. Senator Usher has come forward to receive our offering, and if you are visiting with us today, we'd appreciate so much if you'd take the guest card that's in the little guest packet that we gave you, fill it out, and just drop in the offering plate. We want to send you some information this week about the church. We want you to get to know us, and we want to get to know you, but we appreciate all of you that are visiting with us. Good to have Brother Denny Wall and his family with us from the Greensboro, North Carolina area. Brother Denny, would you stand? He's a pastor. He's been in our conference before. Let's welcome the family here. Good to have them appreciate them coming and others that are here. Of course, Dana and Esther will recognize them and introduce them to you in just a few moments. Let me remind you real quickly just a couple of things. Awana is about ready to get started. They're having a meeting at 5 o'clock this afternoon in Family Life Center. And maybe some of you have been praying about being involved in some area. This would be a tremendous place for you to get involved. And if you'd just like to learn a little bit about Awana, what would be involved and where you could serve... Uh, meet them today. Be over there in a meeting at 5 o'clock in the Family Life Center. And I know that the Lord will bless you for doing that. And, of course, we're encouraging you now to really pray about your giving as we're making our future plans and, and the new building and different things. I want you to pray about your giving every week. Many of you are giving something special every week to the building fund. And we're encouraging everybody to tithe. In order for us to do it, we need everybody. Everybody tithe. You tithe, one, because it's right to tithe amen Amen. now come on now it's right to tithe amen and you tithe just to be obedient to the lord but everybody if everybody was to tithe every member here was to give at least a tenth of their income to the lord uh, it'd be amazing what we'd be able to do the offerings have been up they're up about two thousand dollars a week just in the past month and i appreciate that and we're quickly getting to where we need to be and i appreciate your giving but i want to encourage you to give every week Pray about a special gift. In fact, I've had a couple of people just this week tell, tell me they were going to give their tax refund to the building fund. Listen, that's not by accident. You remember when Bush was here the day before election? You remember that? I told him we was going to be building, and I needed him to do something. <laughs> so that's not by accident that happens. Amen. So uh, that's what that's for. Government's giving that back till you put the building fund. Amen. But no, you pray about your giving the Lord a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for all that is going on, for the touch of God, for the working of the Spirit of the Lord. Continue to move in this service, opening our hearts to all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Place with your presence. Come be our special guest.
3: Build this temple as the
0: Lily of the valley Let your sweet MAKE ME A REFLECTION OF YOUR LIGHT DAY STARS SHINE DOWN ON ME JUST LET YOUR LOVE SHINE What's wrong? And make it right. Days stars shine
3: down on
0: me. Just let your love shine through me in the night. Lord, I see you. master of deceit groping in the darkness haunted by the years of past defeat but then i see you standing near me shining in your eyes, Jesus, shine down on me. Just let your love shine through.
3: Sometimes.
1: I'm so glad that no matter what is going on in life, I can trust the Lord. Amen. I may not know what the future holds, I may know what the next week holds, and there may be so much uncertainty about tomorrow, but I guarantee you one thing. As someone has well said, when I cannot trace him, I can always trust him. And I'm glad that I can. So joy to have Brother Dana Williams with us today. Many of you have met Brother Dana in the morning services of our bible conference i believe it's been four years he has been our featured preacher in the morning services but uh, many of you have never got to meet him because you're working during the daytime and and he's never had the opportunity of preaching in the evening services so i wanted to have him back to be with uh well on a sunday so that all of you could hear him many of you said when are you going to get brother dana back going to get dana back and uh, so it's a joy to have him let's welcome brother dana williams to our service this morning
4: Let's take our Bibles, if you will. Kings, or 1 Samuel, excuse me. And chapter number 17, we'll begin with one verse and then look at some others. Verse 49, let me say it is a joy to uh, be with you this morning. And uh, I tell you, you don't get this kind of singing everywhere you go. It is such a blessing to hear singing that exalts and magnifies the Lord. I was riding down the road the other day, kind of bored, wanted to hear some good singing, and come across what I thought was a gospel station, and they were singing, and the song that they sang uh, had these words to it. It said, Lord, please send your best angel after Mama so we can be sure she makes it home. I just turned it off. <laughs> I don't figure she's going if that's all they're counting on. Sorry to say. But thank God for those that do magnify the Lord. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Uh, everywhere I go, folks ask me if I know Brother Ken Trivett, and I say, yeah, I had the privilege of preaching his church, and he's from our area, and uh, we appreciate the gospel he preaches and the gift that the Lord has given him, his precious family. All right, 1 Samuel chapter number 1, we'll begin with, uh, as I say, verse number 49. And David put his hand into his bag and took thence a stone and slank it, and smote the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now, to the casual observer of David's life, it seemed to be one of chivalry. As he walked on the valley that day, a lad turned hero because he kills a giant, and then he seems to stroll off into the sunset. But to those of us who have taken the time to notice, we realize that David's life was not one of just a single giant but there were many giants in his life and this morning it would be nice to say that there is only going to be one major trial, one great temptation that you would face and if you could get across that hurdle it would be smooth sailing the rest of the way but that's not the truth. Our Christian life is made up of many battles. The songwriter said it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and it's not a game. We uh, face many giants. And this morning I want to, for sake of time, point out to you three giants in the life of David. Now, there were many, but uh, I was preaching in a meeting here a while back and the folks told me that they had nicknamed their pastor Pharaoh. I said why? They said because he won't let God's people go. (laughs) Well I don't want to get all these giants I might be a Pharaoh to you this morning so we will look at uh, three of these uh, giants in the life of David. I want to look at them by way of analogy and comparison. I want you to consider the giants that you may be facing in your own life those giants that seem to be overbearing. They strike you with fear. They threaten your spiritual life. It seems as though they would destroy you if they could. They steal your joy. They rob your peace. And it seems impossible that you could ever overcome these giants that uh, you are facing. It could be a giant of doubt. It could be a giant of bitterness. It could be a giant of jealousy. It could be a giant of covetousness. It could be a giant of lust. There are many multitudes of giants that we could be facing today. And I want you to consider those giants in your own life as we look at these three giants in the life of David. Now the first giant I've read to you in the well-known text in Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and that is Goliath. I want us to look at the second giant or the second imposing figure that would destroy David in uh, chapter number 18 and verse number 6. It came to pass, as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tablets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands and what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. It came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways. So we notice there the second uh, giant in David's life that would destroy him was the king giant called Saul. Now let's look at the third giant. It's found in 2 Samuel. And... uh, Chapter number 11. Verse number 2. It came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof of the king's house, or from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. David sent and inquired after the woman and said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliab, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child, verse 14. It came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab, sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. Verse 26. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Chapter 12 and verse number 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hath slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword will never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hath taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Three giants in the life of David, Goliath, Saul, and then what I call the spirit of Bathsheba. I word it that way, the spirit of Bathsheba, because I would not have you to think that the fall of David was totally Bathsheba's fault. but it was a spirit that was within David that brought him to that place. Now let's compare these three giants, and again, think of the giants that may be alive in your life, Goliath, Saul, and Bathsheba. When I think about the giant Goliath, Goliath was a giant that approached David from the front. Saul was a giant that always seemed to be trailing him, nipping at his heels, always coming from behind. But the spirit of Bathsheba was a giant that seemed to inhibit him or inhabit him from within. Goliath was a big giant. He was easily recognized. Saul was a bad giant with his evil spirit always coming after him. But the spirit of Bathsheba seemed to be a beautiful giant, a giant that he had uh, nurtured from within and enticing and appetizing, seeming to be a good giant. Now, I emphasize that to say that we never know the direction from whence the giants are going to come in our lives. Sometimes you can see them afar off and easily recognize who they are. Sometimes they come up from behind, slipping upon you always. And then sometimes there are giants that are harbored within your heart, giants that you have nurtured and raised over the years. But the giants can come from any direction as they approach you. Now, I noticed the giant Goliath in verse number 44 seemed to want David's body. The Bible said, And the Philistines said to David, Come to me. I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air. He said, I want your body. Now, of course, the giants of this world, the devil himself, would love to have your body. That's why he tempts us in the lust of the flesh, why he draws us. He wants us to give our bodies to him so that he can mar our bodies, that it would not be in the image of God. And ultimately, he could destroy this body. He, tonight or this morning, child of God, the devil wants your body. If you'll give it to him in any fashion or any form, He will take that body. This is what Goliath is asking for. But when I think about Saul, Saul never really touched David. He never really got to his body. But facing him, whether it was in uh, in Gadi, or whether it was in the cave of Adullam, or whether it was down at Gath, it seemed as though that Saul was always just within arm's length of David. And, uh, and he was trying to draw David into the same atmosphere and the same attitude that he had, uh, trying to cause David to become uh, bitter and cause David to uh, fight back. In other words, he wanted to affect the spirit of David. And while the giants of this world want your body, if they can't have your body, and thank God for all those saints that are here this morning that have determined... That they are not going to give their body to the devil they don't uh, drink they don't smoke they don't cuss they don't chew they don't uh, dress worldly they don't go to the worldly places but i'm here to tell you if he can't have your body he just soon have your spirit and if he could contaminate your spirit and cause you to become jealous or cause you to become bitter Uh, to cause you to become envious or whatever way of which he he can contaminate your spirit, he would just as soon, child of God, listen to me, he would just as soon as the Pharisees of the Old Testament, he would just as soon have your spirit as he would your body because he could do sometimes more danger with your spirit than he could ever do with your body as far as the house of God and the saints of God are concerned. My wife's father was an old-time mountain preacher, died at 96. And when I would visit him, he would often say to me the last word. He would say, young man, take care of your spirit. And I always wondered of all the advice he could give me why he would say that. But then I realized the Bible said the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And honey, if your spirit ever gets contaminated, you are ruined. And so we have Goliath who wanted the body. And it seemed as though that uh, Saul wanted his spirit. And the spirit of Bathsheba seemed to almost get body, soul, and spirit. It almost destroyed David. But I say in short, the devil will take whatever you will give him. The giants of this world would love to have anything that you would surrender. And so we're looking at the giants in David's life. We're talking about Goliath. We're talking about Saul, and we're talking about Bathsheba. I noticed that the giant Goliath came at David while he was a young shepherd boy in his teens. I noticed that uh, the giant Saul came at him when he was a soldier in the army somewhere in his early 20s. But the giant of the spirit of Bathsheba reached him when he was on the, at the pinnacle of his ministry. He was the king on the throne and probably in his early fifties now when i thought about the giants and that the timing of which they came after david i realized that there is really never a time of which you can say that i am free from the giants i i realize young people while you're in school that uh, there are many giants there, and we often say we need to pray for our young people because they are facing more today than they ever have, and I believe that. But young person, I have no, I cannot encourage you and say when you turn 21 that the giants will be gone and you'll face no more trials or temptations. Or when you get married that you'll be, you'll be over the hurdle and, and, and uh, everything from there on out will be smooth sailing. No, there's never a time as long as you are in this body and as long as your body contains your spirit and your soul, you will be facing some kind of a giant. You may be a teenager here today. You may be in your 30s. You may be in your 80s. But I assure you there are giants for all ages. And it's not until you leave this body will you be free of those giants. Now, I visited the hospital one day with a lady that was in her 90s and her husband was still living. They were still together. And I said to that lady, I was curious. I said, ma'am, could you please tell me at what age you and your husband cease to have any kind of disagreements or arguments? I was looking for some great advice from, from, from an elderly lady. And uh, she looked at me and she said, young man, you'll have to ask somebody older than me. <laughs> Well, I gave up on that, I'll tell you. But I say to you, just at the point in time at which you think that you are beyond the giants and and you are out of their reach, be careful. Let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. When you look around, there the giant will stand, and that giant will be the one that brings you down. Now we're looking again at the giants. Goliath, Saul, and the spirit of Bathsheba. Now, When I think about the giant Goliath, the good thing about him is he only took minutes to be gotten rid of. Well, no more than an hour or two because the same day that David came down in the valley, it was the same day that Goliath was killed and beheaded. So only minutes did it take to get rid of that giant. Now, I don't know about you, But the only kind of giant that I care anything about is a dead giant. I like those giants that cannot retaliate. I like those giants that cannot bother me. I like those giants that have absolutely no effect upon me. It's as if they are lifeless or they are dead. Thank God for the dead giants that are in your life and are in my life. Now, I I did not have a Christian background my dad drank all of his life. My alcohol has been the, the major sin and destruction of my family heritage down through the years. Mother left when I was a year and a half old, never set eyes on her, raised in that environment. And I've already buried two brothers because of alcohol and others that it looks like it's uh, coming that way. And I'd appreciate your prayers for them. But here's what I'm trying to emphasize Uh, with all that I was raised in for the first 15 years of my life. I'd never read one verse of the Bible. Uh, Don't ever remember a Bible being opened in the home. I never heard a prayer. And all of that seed, all of that uh, ungodliness that was in that environment, I'm glad that when God saved me, the day he saved me 32 years ago, he killed a bunch of those giants on that day. And while alcohol... And I say this to the glory of God is the major destruction in my family. I could walk through an ABC store with the lid off every bottle and the glass is full and it wouldn't faze me. Because God, when he saved me, thank God killed that giant. i got enough, I'm glad that I don't have to fight all of those giants. Now, aren't you glad for the times in your life that God has come along and killed a major giant? I'm glad for the dead giant that had been taken care of. It only took minutes to get rid of Goliath. But now when we think about the giant Saul, he's a different story. Saul is a giant that lasted for 10 to 15 years. From the time that David was introduced to Saul to the time that Saul died was somewhere around that time limit. And it seemed as though that every single day that David had to keep in his mind, I wonder where Saul's at today. I wonder how close he is. I wonder what he is conniving, what he is, he, is, uh, he is organizing. I wonder what he is thinking about because he always knew that the thing that was upon Saul's heart more than anything else was the destruction of David. Saul was always on his trail and lasted for as I say, 10 to maybe 15 years. Now, while I said to you a while ago that there are many dead giants in my life that I praise God for, I must be honest with you and say that there's still a lot of giants that are alive. Those giants that trail me, they trace me, they tempt me, they lure me. Those giants that I almost can smell them, I sense them. They are almost within a hand's reach and I'm always realizing that if I don't keep on going, the giant is going to catch up with me and if the giant ever catches up with me, he will destroy me if he can. Always having to move, always aware that there is some kind of a giant on your trail. If you would be honest today, you would realize as I I have to say sadly, that some of the giants that bothered me 32 years ago right after I got saved, I still have to pray about. I still have to go to the Lord with. And I wish they were all dead, but the giants are not all dead in my life. I have some major giants. Goliath took minutes. Saul took years. And Bathsheba seemed to last a lifetime. Now, how do you deal with these giants? Goliath was a giant that could only be dealt with in one way. When David went down into that valley to face that giant, he had been issued a license that no one else had. And that license was a license called faith. And he said this battle belongs to the Lord. I come to you not with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And you're going down today, big boy. I'm coming after you. He believed God and through faith the giant failed. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And the giants that are in your life and in my life If they are to be dethroned, if they are to be slain, if they are to be done away with, they must be handled by faith as we believe God to destroy those giants. The only hope of ever getting to the giant is to believe God to take care of him. Goliath was dealt with in faith. But when we think about the giant Saul, David could not deal with Saul like he dealt with with Goliath oh he could I'll tell you he could get out there and badmouth Goliath he could throw a rock at him hit him in the head and then run up there and cut his head off and drag it down with no respect <laughs> David didn't like Goliath and felt good about it I'll tell you I don't like the devil do you? but I don't lose no sleep over it no I feel good about it but I'm going to tell you something It's a different principle when you come to Saul. Saul's trying to kill him just like Goliath was, but he can't battle Saul like he battled Goliath. Saul must be dealt with in love because Saul is of the household of Israel. And David said, I cannot touch God's anointed. You see, 99% of all your giants are not giants you can throw rocks at nor draw swords on. But the Bible said love your enemies and pray for those that despitefully use you. Most of the giants, some of your giants may be family members. You may have a giant or two that really nags at you in this church. Your giant may be the foreman on the job. I'm here to tell you, you are never issued a license to retaliate and to become bitter and to use your spirit to try to get back or to get vengeance at someone else. No, while he dealt with Goliath in the faith, Saul could only be dealt with in faithfulness. Here is the key to it. The Bible said in verse 14, B.R. Lakin said that every now and then in your church, you ought to take a guy and promote him. Then you ought to turn around and demote him. And if he gets mad, that proves he shouldn't have been promoted to start with. Well, David is promoted by Saul, but then in verse 13, he is demoted. So what's he do? Quit the church. What's he do? Fall out with God. What's he do? Say, well, you know, folks are going to treat me this way. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to quit. No, the Bible said in verse 14, and David behaved himself. I'm going to tell you, when the giants of life come after you, for the most part, you cannot draw a sword nor throw a rock. You must keep on walking with God and keep on being faithful, and you let God take care of those giants. Don't you get in a battle with them. Don't you be drawn into the warfare. You behave yourself. He you said, well, if she hadn't have said it about me, I would know you behave yourself. That is, that is what David did. That is what we are to do. We are to behave ourselves, not take on the spirit of antagonism and the spirit of this world, but to love one another and pray that God would take care of the giants. I heard about a woman that got, had gotten bitten by a dog. She went to the doctor and he analyzed her and he said, uh, ma'am, I hate to tell you this, but that dog had rabies. And uh, she grabbed a notepad and began to write some things down quickly. And he said, Ma'am, well, I'm curious. What are you writing? She said, I'm writing down everybody's name. I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) bite. Oh, this is not to be the attitude of the child of God. No. We cannot lay our hands on one another. We cannot throw stones at one another. We cannot draw knives on one another. We can pray one for another, love one another, and ask God to take care of the issues at hand. Goliath could only be dealt with in faith. Saul could only be dealt with in faithfulness. But the spirit of Bathsheba could only be dealt with in forgiveness. Now, there's two sides to the coin of forgiveness. One is the warning that David would give all of us and charge us, and if you're children of God, you know this, you do not take for granted the forgiveness of God. Go out and live in sin and say, well, you know, when I'm finished, I can come back, and he'll always forgive. Well, the thing that troubles me about that is is that the Bible said the sword never left David's house. And even though David was the apple of God's eye, he still would have to pay for the sin that he had committed. And the seed that we sow will always come up. And therefore, if you have intentions on playing with sin and in sin, we must realize and say to ourselves, we're going to have to pick up the tab on this. And the most expensive thing in this world is sin. And David would tell you, you don't want to pay what he had to pay for sin. I say to you, forgiveness has that warning side to it. But on the other side, it has the promise. If you are here this morning and you have played with sin, you have committed an atrocity, you have mingled in iniquity, I've got good news for you. If you will turn from that and turn to Christ, there is forgiveness for every man, woman, boy, and girl the words of Christ from the cross when he cried out, Father, forgive them. The heart of the gospel is forgive them. And I'm glad no matter where I go, I can take the wonderful, glorious message to sinners and saints alike, God does forgive. And I need that forgiveness. I needed it 32 years ago. I need it this morning. How blessed it is to know that it is the heart of the gospel and the great need of the saint, forgiveness. Now, my last thought in the comparison, and I hope you're thinking about the giants in your life. May the Holy Ghost bring it to mind. Goliath was a giant. Though he wanted to kill David, Goliath was used as an instrument to exalt David. Isn't it amazing that the great trials in our lives sometimes are what bring us out? Goliath exalted David. How how did David get on the map in Israel? How how did Saul know about How did the the Israelites, how did did they know about David? They knew about him because he killed a giant that was nine foot and so many inches tall. (laughs) Put him on the map. Sometimes your greatest trials God will use to get you to where he wants you. Goliath exalted him. Now the giant Saul seemed to temper David. God wanted David to be a king that would please him. And so what he did is he let Saul chase after him for 10 to 15 years. And every time he looked back and saw Saul, God would say, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. That's not what I want. So when David got to the throne, he knew what God didn't want because he'd been looking at him closely for 10 to 15 years. And you see, sometimes God puts those people in your lives whether on the job, in the church, and even in the home, maybe your own children, that stir you up, rub you the wrong way, bring out the worst in you because God is showing you what he does not want. He is tempering you, preparing you for the days ahead through the temptations, the trials, and the battles, and the warfares. that are at hand today. Goliath exalted David. Saul tempered David. But the spirit of Bathsheba, I believe, humbled David. Humbled David. Now, I want us to weigh out the first and the last in our closing. I want want to consider Goliath and, and then Bathsheba. I would say, and I believe this, that Goliath was ordained of God. I believe God had that battle set up, ordained of God. You do know that in Scripture, that there are those people that it would have done you no good to pray for. Judas Iscariot was one, a devil from the beginning. Goliath was on the enemy's side from day one and was ordained of God that he would face this death. I was in a meeting in a certain place and a fellow came to the altar and I got down with him, Brother Ken, and asked him what he's praying about. He said, I'm praying for the devil. I said, why? He said, I want him to get saved. I said, get up. He's not going to get saved. And I don't know, unless the scripture had told us who these people were, such as Pharaoh, who had hardened his heart, was destined to the judgment of Almighty God. We don't know who they are, but I'm sure there are those in this world in this day whose hearts are so set on evil and, and anti-God and anti-Christ and would destroy the church as they could. This was Goliath. He was set to that end. As a matter of fact, if you'll, if you'll forgive me just for a moment, I, I do want to say to you as I study this text, I sometimes feel sorry for this guy. I mean... He should have had a scout to go out and check the record or the resume or the battle record of the guy he was going to fight and not take that for granted just because he's a boy. I mean, somebody should have got to him that morning and said, hey, big boy, I'm going to tell you something before you go out there. That kid that's coming to fight you has already killed a bear and the lion. I believe Goliath would have been a little bit more careful, don't you? And they should have said to him, something else, Goliath, that you don't know is, the prophet Samuel poured oil on that boy and the spirit, the mighty spirit of God came on him. He's got God's power on him. You better run, boy, run. Don't mess with him. And if they could have known and if they could have said, they should have said to him something else, Goliath. You need to know before you get in that room, that ring, this is a fixed fight. (laughs) Huh? You ever watch boxing? Now, I don't think it's right. I don't think they ought to get in the ring, beat each other's brains out like that, but if they're going to do it, I'm going to watch it. Amen? (laughs) I watched a fight just the other night. The one guy beat the other guy, I mean, handedly. But the judges gave it to the poor guy that got beat up. I said, that's a fixed fight. But you see, this fight can only turn out one way. David's on the winning side. He can't lose. He's got the power of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. When he throws that stone, I tell you, it hits as an arrow, the giant between the eyes. David stands back and says, man, I'm good, but I ain't that good and the big boy came down he was ordained (laughs) can you see him David he's okay see David knows this that rock can't miss do you know what weighs upon that one little rock if that rock misses David dies you know who David is he's the great 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 grandfather of the Lord Jesus And if David dies, there's no Jesus. If there's no Jesus, there's no cross. If there's no cross, there's no salvation. We're all going to hell.
3: That
4: rock's pretty important. But David is so confident. (laughs) I can almost see him step out there and say, Loser! Huh? You're a loser, boy! Going down today! I'm here to tell you the good news this morning. The devil is a loser. He's been a loser. If I lost as much as he did, I quit. He lost in the, in the wilderness of temptation. He lost in the garden of prayer. He lost at the cross. He lost at the resurrection. He lost at the ascension. He lost when I got saved, and he's going to lose when he's thrown in the lake of fire. And I'm gonna say loser. Yeah. Goliath is ordained. He's going down. But you know, I want to move to Bathsheba. She, I could not say that Bathsheba was ordained of God because if I did, I would excuse David's sin and your sin and my sin. If there's sin in our lives, it's always our fault, not God's fault. So I would not say that Bathsheba was ordained of God, but could I say that Bathsheba was allowed by God? You see, God could have changed and altered the situation on this day so the sin would have never happened. He did it many times in Scripture. I thought about when Haman was going to hang Mordecai. The king couldn't sleep, called in the scribe, and the scribe read about how Mordecai had saved his life, and it turned the whole thing around. If you're here this morning, you hadn't fallen into sin to any great degree, don't stick your chest out. It's because God many times altered situations to keep you from it. I'm in 32 years walking with the Lord, but I can't tell you it's because of me. I can only say it's because God has guarded me. Allowed. Allowed. But someone would say, why would God allow these giants? Why doesn't he, when he saves us, do away with these giants? Because God uses giants to keep us humble. And you see, all of us here this morning, if we spoke the truth, would have to say, we have fallen to some degree. And how many times we've had to go bow before the Lord and say, Lord, we've messed up again. We need your grace and your help. We have found out we are not sufficient. We are not strong within ourselves. We are weak. We cannot stand against these giants. Oh, Lord, we need your help. Because, you see, he wants to master your giants. He's the only one that can. That's the truth of the matter. You're not able to face any of the least of the giants. But he can. Now, Again, I was raised in West Virginia, back when I was a boy. I used to go up to the country store, pick up bottles and take them up there and trade them in for a cake or a pie or something to drink. Now I had some brothers older, all, all, I was the youngest in my family, had five brothers older than me and there's a blessing to that and there's a curse to that. But the blessing of it was, is when I'd go up to that store, several times I met an old boy up there that was five years older than me. He was the same age as my brother Reed. And did you ever look anybody in the eye, look somebody in the eye, and you could just tell for some reason they didn't like you? I could tell he didn't like me. And I could see in his eyes that he'd like to beat me severely about the head and shoulders. But he would always say, "Dana, where's your brother? Where's Reed at?"
3: <laughs>
4: well, I was pretty smart. Now I wouldn't save. and I lied a lot, but I saved myself a few whoopings. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I'd always say to him, "He's a heading up the road," cause I knew he could whip me. He knew he could whip me, but he was afraid of my big brother, huh? I'm here to tell you, you're no match for the devil. I'm no match for the devil. We can't handle him. He can whip us anywhere and anytime, but he's afraid of my big brother. The Lord Jesus is already whipped him, and he can take care of all the giants. If you'll just bring them to him and say, Lord, would you take care of this giant? The next time the old devil comes knocking, just look over and say, Lord Jesus, would you answer the door? Let him go to the door and open it up, and can you see the devil's eyes when they get that big around? And he says, I wasn't expecting you. The Lord Jesus is sufficient for the giants of our lives. What kind of giant are you facing today? Let's stand above our heads. Our Father, would you take these truths and minister them to our hearts as we battle with the giants may we humble ourselves and confess lord we need you we need your strength and your grace that is so sufficient in our weakness speak to hearts this morning you know those that are wrestling those lord that are hurting those lord that are facing the giants You give them victory in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake.